Hello, Leecast. I am May here for our fifth and final episode for this season. And I am Kira, and we are your hosts for the cast today. Our first segment is going to be an interview with our own Vice Principal, Dr. Eisenmayer, with Elena and our very own Kira. students. It is a wonderful day to be a leader. My name is Kira Burns. My name is Elena Jeffries. For this interview, we got to interview Dr. Eisenminger. With learning that Dr. Eisenminger recently got her doctorate's degree, we asked her how it feels and if she ever saw herself being where she is today. Well, I can tell you that getting my doctorate probably will be one of the biggest accomplishments that I've achieved probably in my life. Super, super just hard work to get that. I can't tell you how many hours I spent writing that that paper and just, you know, the grind that it took, but it taught me a lot about myself that you just have to persevere and stick with things and eventually things are things will get finished and come your way and and that's definitely what my doctorate you know, it, it's over and I feel great that it's, that it's done, but I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know if I ever saw myself getting it. I'm thrilled that I did. It was kind of, I remember when I first went into education, I was at a school in Columbia, Missouri, and I worked for a lady, Dr. Wanda Brown Cox was my first principal. She was dynamic. And I remember thinking my first year, maybe someday I could do that. Maybe someday I could get my doctorate and lead a building. And I honestly think that she instilled that that drive for me. It is often that you have other interests. So if Dr. Eisenmayer wasn't an assistant principal, what else would she have done or stick to something similar? Ooh, what else would I be doing if I wasn't an assistant principal? You know, I always wanted to go into education. So I don't know what else I would be doing if I wasn't an assistant principal. I, When I was in seventh grade, I remember I wanted to be a teacher and I spent 18 years in the math classroom and that that is that is what I've wanted to do and that's all I know so I can't even imagine what else I would be doing maybe I'd be a professional golfer haha <laughs> that would be fun but no I I've always wanted to go into education and I I'm glad I chose this career as an assistant principal it looks like there's a lot to do so out of the things she does what is something that she really enjoys doing you know there's a lot of uh, responsibilities as an assistant principal and every day is different so my favorite thing about being an assistant principal is working with students you know I, I work with students every day and I hope that I encourage them to make themselves be better even sometimes when I work with kids, they might be in my office because they made a poor choice, but I hope they can look back on, on the time they were with me and, and feel that I was a fair principal and truly in their corner. So I just, yeah, I, I, that, my favorite thing is working with kids. Some of my other responsibilities is I'm learning. I'm still in the process of learning because it's a big undertaking doing of, of doing the master schedule. So that is like a big logic puzzle. I remember taking discrete math in college and to me it's it's like a big circuit for any mathematicians out there i mean it's just it's a big puzzle to try and get things to fit try to make the staff happy try and make the students happy and so that they can get as many of their courses as, as they want so i i really like that because my brain i'm, I'm kind of a, a logical thinker and so that's one of my favorite things about the job also the pandemic has done a lot in our lives good and bad so how has it affected her life and has she learned anything so one thing when i look back on the pandemic i am going to have memories of spending so much time with my family and that really kind of taught me as a mom i feel like i overbook my kids because we all want our kids to be the best right so, I mean, like we would have my daughter Reese in multiple sports activities and, and things that honestly she wasn't even really passionate about, but you know, she wanted, you know, we said yes to it. So one of the things the pandemic has taught me is just how to say no, how to narrow their time so that they're not doing everything, but just doing one or two things and getting better at them. And then the importance of spending time with my family. Like I honestly, it was fantastic to be with my family in that way because my husband works and my, my children are so busy that we had some serious quality time. Like I remember putting puzzles together and playing board games to keep ourselves entertained. And we always had family workout hour in the morning, which my kids will laugh about. My husband was super into CrossFit at the time. So we 
we would do CrossFit workouts in the morning um, before the day started, all four of us. And I just remember running down our street with the kids and, and lifting weights with them in the morning. And, you know, there that was a good thing from the pandemic. It's just, I think people got in touch with their families more. Dr. Eisenberger started her teaching career as a math teacher. Would that be something she would still be interested in doing later on? Yes. So I loved teaching. You know, I hear people every day or sometimes saying that they don't enjoy what they do. Sure, there, there's days where I would rather have a day off or what have you, but I love coming to work each day. And I don't know, what I do doesn't necessarily feel like a job because I feel like I'm giving back and just getting to work with kids and, and see seeing the positive impact that perhaps I can have on their lives and their choices and influence them to make good decisions and, and um, make their dreams come true but I would definitely be interested in being a math teacher because I loved it like it was fun you know I don't know if kids loved learning math but I hope if you ask some of my former math students which there are several at lead from my Lakeview seventh grade um, math class on team Phoenix you guys out there know who you are I hope that they would tell you that they had a positive experience in my math class I tried to make it fun and I hope that they feel like they learned some some math from me so I, I enjoyed being a math teacher. Yeah, I mean, I could see going back and teaching because it, it really was a fun, good profession. Was there something that sparked an interest for Dr. Eisenhower to start being a teacher? So what sparked my interest in be, to being a teacher? You know, honestly, I have no idea what sparked my interest. I just knew that it was something I wanted to do. Like, I just knew. There was... You know, I went off to Mizzou um, from my small town of Sedalia, Missouri, and I knew right away that I was going to go into education and I was going to be a teacher. There wasn't a particular person or thing that sparked my interest in it. I didn't have family members in education. I just knew it was what I wanted to do. I, I don't know. It just was just a given for me. So I never changed majors in college. My husband, I think, had like five majors in college. He switched a lot, but I just went in into education. I was gonna start an elementary education, and then I started taking math classes at Mizzou and realized how much I liked math. And so I kind of switched my content area, but I always knew it was education. I hope you enjoyed learning more about Dr. Eisenberger. We had a great time interviewing her. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'm Kira Burns. I'm Elena Jeffries. Signing off. That was a great segment. Thank you. Now for our next segment. It's going to be some quick history by Christian. Hi everybody, welcome to the lead cast history segment. My name is Christian and today we're going to be talking about the Endurance Expedition. In the beginning of the 20th century, Arctic exploration was hugely popular at this time. So examples of this are the Rasmussen's Great Sled Journey, the Peripolar Expedition, Scott and Amundsen's Race for the South Pole in 1911, which actually is what inspired this entire expedition. So Scott and Amundsen's race was between a Brit and a Norwegian, and the Norwegians actually made it to the South Pole before the Brits. The Endurance Expedition hosted two ships the Endurance and the Aurora. The goal was for Shackleton and his crew on the Endurance to cross Antarctica by land, leaving Endurance in Vassal Bay while Aurora followed the route of the Ross expedition 71 years before, going around Antarctica and leaving depots for the other team. Shackleton had already attempted this twice by now, and failed both times, which is very telling. When Endurance left port, she was carrying 28 men, which is not a very big crew at all, 69 dogs and one cat. The whole goal was to leave Endurance on the Weddell Sea coast while a team of men crossed Antarctica, relying on the food and other things that Aurora left in depots along the way for them. And then once they'd finished their journey, they were to be picked up by the Aurora. The expedition had started in 1914, and by 1915, after being stuck in the ice for two months, the crew decided to abandon the ship because its hole, which is the bottom of the ship, was being crushed and squeezed by the pack ice that was surrounding them. So, because of this, these sailors had to get rid of anything that wasn't immediately to their advantage, which included puppies, a cat, which was owned by a carpenter named Harry McNish. Now sequestered on the ice, the Endurance was basically unsalvageable, sinking and carrying over half of their goods. So the crew started nicknaming these ice floes that they camped on Ocean Camp, and also made these igloos that they called dogloos for the dogs that accompanied them. But after two months of living like this on the ice, 
Another march was ordered, believing that they could make a lot of progress. And they did not make any progress at all. They were trudging through slush, pulling their lifeboats behind them. It took, I believe they only got seven miles in like two days or one day. So McNish revolted against Shackleton, saying that he was no longer under orders since endurance had sunken. This quickly relented. After they realized that they weren't making any progress at all, they started another camp called Patience Camp that was two days after the start of the march. The crew would be living here for the next three months. After however long of sending teams back to the wreckage and ocean camp to acquire any supplies that they could find, it seemed that they'd run out of rations. So now they were eating seal meat a lot, and Shackleton had attempted to preserve everything that they had left. But unfortunately, in April, Shackleton realized that the sled dogs took up way too much space in the rations. It was decided that it was time to sacrifice the last two living sled dog teams. After the countless months of being together, these men would see their closest companions slaughtered, which is very, very gruesome, but it's probably how it was. Unfortunately, it was what had to happen for his entire crew to survive. So after three months of patience camp and eating seal meat, the ice suddenly began to crack without warning. The men were ordered into three lifeboats, captained by Shackleton, Worsley, Hubert Hudson, um, although Tom Crean took over after Hudson's mental state began to deteriorate over time. So after seven hard days at sea, Clarence and Elephant Island were spotted. Everyone at this point was at their weakest. This journey was incredibly hard. Frank Worsley, who joined the expedition after having a dream about it, hadn't slept for 80 hours, which is about three days. Shackleton's second-in-command, Frank Wilde, described half the crew as insane, while many men had developed dysentery as well. So the conditions on the boat were that of constant freezing temperatures, even reaching to about negative 20 Fahrenheit, uh, usually getting soaked by freezing water and then having to carry out laborious work. That is typical of being a Kurova ship. So this was already incredibly physically and mentally taxing. So after these incredibly vigorous seven days at sea, the men finally had reached Elephant Island, completely uninhabited and at that point, one of the most remote places in the entire world. Shackleton, Worsley, Crean, McNish, and two other members planned to set out in a sailboat and attempt to reach a Norwegian whaling station on South Georgia Island. Shackleton had stocked the lifeboat that they were going to be taking for four weeks with the knowledge that if they hadn't reached land in that time, there would be absolutely no hope for them, and the land crew would have to set for Deception Island, knowing their captain and strongest members of their team had failed to execute their mission. The weather that they faced on this mission was absolutely treacherous, accompanied with wind gusts comparable to that of a hurricane. Shackleton even described the waves he encountered as the worst waves he'd ever seen in his 26 years of experience. After 16 days, they'd finally made it to South Georgia Island, but they had completely managed to make it to the other side of the island to where they were supposed to be. So with that, a 36-hour long trek of 26 miles with absolutely no resting between Shackleton, Borsley, and Tom Cream began. The terrain that they were facing was extremely mountainous with no paths for them to follow. There was another whaling station only six miles from where the men had landed, but Shackleton refused to go there as he believed it was out of operation during the summer. But unknown to Shackleton, in his and his crew's two-year absence, the whaling station had started to run year-round, which means that could have been their chance if they had just decided to go there first. So Shackleton would later write about this experience, I have no doubt that Providence guided us. I know that during that long and racking march of 36 hours over the unmanned mountains and glaciers, it seemed to me often that there were four, not three. Worsley and Crean also supported Shackleton in this belief. After this extremely long and grueling march, they had finally made it to the whaling station. At this point, from an outside perspective, it was assumed that the endurance had perished, along with the entire crew, but now seeing Shackleton, Worsley, and Crean standing in front of them, asking for assistance in rescuing their men, seemed almost unreal. Three men were given hot baths and hearty meals, while the other men who stayed with the lifeboat across the island were rescued swiftly. So, there were four faulty attempts to rescue the crew on Elephant Island due to impenetrable packed ice that had gotten them stuck in the first place two years ago. So, it had been three months since Shackleton had left for South Georgia. 
The circumstances of what is now called the Elephant Island Party were worse for wear. Much of the crew was sick, depressed, and suffering both physically and mentally. During this, the men improvised turning up the lifeboats for shelter, which they nicknamed the Snuggery. 22 men managed to live and sleep in these nearly up to four months. Over time, the elements grew harsher, and as an example, one man had his left foot amputated due to the frostbite, which became gangrenous. Frank Wilde, who was left in charge of the Elephant Island men, was quite the optimist. He banned the crew from stockpiling food, describing it as defeatist, and also tried his best to occupy the crew, attempting to keep up morale. Concerts whirled every Saturday, but as time passed, hopelessness became more visible. As food and supplies started to run out, things began looking grim. On August 23rd, one of the men, Ordelise, wrote, We shall have to eat the one who dies first. There's many true words said in jest. Shackleton's orders of sailing to Deception Island if he didn't return in those four weeks now became a serious consideration for Wilde. On August 30th, seven days after Ordelise wrote his ominous note, the tugboat Yelko approached Elephant Island with Shackleton captaining. While the fate of the Endurance Party was playing out, the Aurora Party, who were supposed to be laying depots for Shackleton, were extremely bad at doing their jobs. And also, before I say anything else, I want to preface that the Aurora Party was extremely inexperienced in Antarctic in Antarctic exploration compared to the Endurance Party, which most of the men on that crew had already gone on explorations before with Shackleton as their leader. Meanwhile, the Aurora Party, who was not in that bad of a situation, saw a lot of their dogs die inadvertently and also saw one of their cameramen die. Then at some point in 1916, McIntosh, the commander of the Aurora Party and another crew member, decided to walk across unstable sea ice in an attempt to make it to Cape Evans when they were hit with a sudden blizzard and were never seen again. So, while Shackleton and his crew were stranded in the Arctic through 1914-16, to 16, they had no idea how World War I was playing out, since there was no way of receiving news. In 1919, Shackleton organized one last polar expedition now called the Shackleton Route Expedition. Many of the old endurance crew joined. In 1922, on that same expedition, Sir Ernest Shackleton died from a heart attack at age 47. Well, I hope you enjoyed. On to the next segment. Now for our senior interview with Ben. Hello, my name is Ben Matern, and I'm here with... Owen Mustang, Jamari Westbrook, Austin Nardi, and Tyler Yonker. How does it feel to be so close to graduating high school? Scary. I'm failing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm serious. It's weird. It's like profound in a way because throughout our entire like being here at Lee, we're all like, oh, we're going to have a building like and it's going to be so great. Like finally, your senior year, it's going to be we're going to have a building. It's going to be amazing. And now we're just here. Yeah. Like, it, it's nothing special. COVID got in the way. Like, we couldn't make this place our own. It just kind of felt like we were coming here every day, and that's it. I, I can kind of agree with that. I mean, to me, it feels interesting and weird at this point. We've gotten towards the end, and it, I mean, we've always, like, I remember from, like, freshman year, I think I was you're talking to you, Tyler, about just, like, in four years we'll be gone, and now we're at a point where it's just, like, we're at the end, and but I mean, obviously, there's college and stuff that we're going. Like some of us are going to some of us. Some so, right. Hey, some right. Of us. I mean, don't call me out here. For me, it's like um, just like right. <laughs> Austin and Tyler. I I went to NCC this year, so I spend half the day there, half the day here, and this whole like senior year, I've just been focusing on what I'm going to do after and preparing for that. Like I still have classes in school. I got to do. I still have responsibilities here. But it's kind of just like already in the back of my mind. I've already started to transition and move on and plan things for right after, like literally like a couple weeks after graduation. So it's just like, I don't know. I I feel a little bit distanced, which is kind of a sad feeling because I've gone here for four years and like first, first graduating class, first starting class, all that. Like this is my school, but like I feel like all the other students all the other classes and juniors and below it's kind of like it's their school now so like they can take they can over take, yeah they can mess it up much worse than we did hey i mean just it, like the old building here oh like all big and wide open it was so cool and There's literally like, nothing people there. would always like sneak out 
of lunch, the lunchroom to go eat out there, and we would always get in trouble and stuff like that. That was always really, really fun. And I wish we had a space like that here. I wish we had, like, a big open space. I know we have, like, the commons and stuff, but it's just the lunchroom. I have the one upstairs. But the point is, like, we're never able to actually go there. Like, I there's... Mean, yeah, that's true. What do you mean, the one upstairs? Like... The whole big area. Like, remember when PT oh, was a by thing, the like, main stairway? Right, right yeah, the stairs. there. Yeah, but it's not the same when you don't have a class there. Like, the, the only time I've spent time there is when I didn't want to go to lunch, and I would literally just sit up in that, like, corner up there, and that's it. That's fair, yeah. I can agree. Dude, okay. even if it was snowing, I'd just go eat outside. Like, oh, yeah. Y'all ever realize... The comments uh, are too noisy, man. Yeah. You ever realize that Lead has never been good with their construction, though? Like, remember, <laughs> so so sophomore year, at registration, they were still working they on the were. fifth floor. Yes, they were. And then, like, they were they were working on this building until, like, they way later. Are. Even, like, um, like, with the whole schedule, I think we've had, like, eight schedules in the past four years. Yeah, like, I remember they, they, they had, like, they had, like, the ABC days. Or they no, no, the we, had, we had ABCD. A, B, C, A, B, A, B, and then, like, a bunch of other stuff. It was so <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah. This, this no, we, we don't have any of that, or do we? We have A and B days. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Technically, we do, but oh. since with COVID and everything, it's basically the same. Oh, okay. Because, like, honestly, I think it's only different for, like, the lower classmen. And for uh, band kids. Yeah, band kids. But really, it's pretty much the same, in a way. I mean, I mean, with us, it's the same schedule every day. We have NCC, so I right. don't know. They've somehow made school feel abnormally normal. Yeah. Yes, they really have. And that's quite an oxymoron, really, because, like, yeah, we, we don't really, or at least the NCC kids don't really go by that, like, AB thing, but, like, Park Hill South does, but yeah, it's just, I don't know where I'm going with this. It just doesn't feel, <laughs> it doesn't feel right, but it does mm-hmm. at I the use, same time. <laughs> I use the term abstractly bland to describe the Lee building. So all of us are feeling day. a little oxymoronic today. Yeah, like I it's so. Bland. I like it's very mute colors though. Like there's we not really a lot of color. Like we've hey, always hey. seen lead as like the blue and the green. Like literally back in the old building, you would come up the elevator, you would walk into the main area, and it would just be blue and green. And now it just looks like some weird campus. Oh, it's the futuristic feel, modernism. I don't care about futuristic <laughs> modernism. I like colors. Exactly. Colors make me happy. I will <laughs> say, the, the the colors of the building and stuff, very bland. You're right about yeah, that. But yes. At least as for the actual building itself and what, mean, what you can, actually like do. the rooms and the patterns and everything, Yeah. I think this is better than Park Hill and Park Hill South. Yeah, yeah. Oh, easily, easily. Yeah. We've got polygons everywhere. <laughs> Pretty much. We like, have supported... Look at, look at we the have, seats. Like, <laughs> we have supporting the beams in the middle of everything. The yeah. commons wall is all just polygons. Remember What's when that was N64 like... Game? Yeah, remember that was like 15% done at the beginning? That's and funny. then they were putting up that screen and it was always all glitchy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I met Dr. Stanley in 8th grade and he's like, great, right. I'll see you there. I'll see you at lead. I'm I like, think I saw him too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I saw yeah, I saw yeah. him there and he talked to me and I was like, Yeah, I, I'm th- really thinking of going my freshman year and I didn't go my freshman year and I came here sophomore year and he's like, Oh yeah, I know back for your fourth year this year and then he forgot that I totally hadn't been here freshman year. Wait, wasn't Doctor <laughs> Stanley the vice principal of Congress or something like that? Or like he was a pr- or vice principal of one of the schools before he was the principal I think of this correct. Course. He was an assistant, maybe. I think so. I think he was. Assistant vice is kind of the same thing. Yeah. Either way, he does make for a great principal. He's really yeah, he's done really good. He's really by good. far my favorite principal out of all my school. I think he I perfect be. fit for this yeah. school. He really was. The whole program feel of it. He definitely doesn't make it feel like a program. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't make it feel like a program. He feels like it's a normal school. Yeah, we learn stuff different, but. Like you, you see in like movies and TV shows, like when someone sees a principal in the hallway, there's like that, like that Darth Vader music, yeah. and they're all right, big right, and yeah. tall. And I see Doctor Stanley, and I'm just like, oh, hi, what's like, up, what's dude? A, I'll, I'll talk to you. You're friendly. Like Austin literally challenged him to rock paper scissors the other day. <laughs> I and, lost, and he lost, and then I won twice as a redemption. You still need to, you still need to get, I re- get Mr. Mata. I need to rematch Mr. Mata and rock paper scissors. He beat me all three times. Yeah, why are you doing the whole rock paper scissors thing? I want to make a list of all the teachers I can beat in rock paper scissors. <laughs> all teachers and staff. I, I already beat Mr. Shanks. Uh, basically, it's like one round, best of three, and if I win two. I 
out of that three, then basically I win by default because you can't redeem, you know. Yeah. So I just want to do that with everybody. Like, after, I'm pretty sure after this is done, I'm going to go up to the lady at the desk and be like, rock, paper, scissors, and I'm going to get her name, and I'm just going to type it into a little notepad that I made on my computer. That's the most least story true. I have Does ever Does anyone heard. know what that desk is even for, though? I think it's for... It's probably It's security. like an information desk or something. It, but, think. like, then what's that for? Like, it's weird. <laughs> I don't know. I would understand if that was maybe, like, you know, if you walk into Park Hill right up front, it mm-hmm. used to be, like, this little security guy's desk right there. I wouldn't understand if it was that, but... Well, uh, at, at Park Hill South, you've seen it. You have, like, a little entryway office, and then you go through the office, and there's, like, the whole security desk. Yeah. And that could be what that is. I mean, that's... Yeah. Well, that's what I just said. It was a security desk. Oh, okay. Maybe, well, that, maybe that is what they're planning on doing it, but for right now, it's just a place for the faculty members yeah, to just chill. Yeah. Like, some of the challenges of regular high school are completely, like, mitigated here. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I spent a year at Park Hill South, and I would much rather this system... It's, it's not necessarily easier it's just a little bit more gracious yeah exactly it's more of a the like, longest paper i've ever had to write right here was four pages and he did half of it because it was a group project yeah. <laughs> that that's kind of one of my fears though i was like we I'm did gonna that go all in to, one night too we did <laughs> it was just all in one night we we just got uh we got together we got hyped up on as much energy as possible, and we just did like an entire project. I devoured like half of a pizza in See? two minutes. <laughs> we drank then... a bang and drank and 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 ate half a cooked trip pizza in like two minutes. Oh yeah, it's it was. He easy. was begging me to have a for him to have a slice on the way back to my house. <laughs> I, was, I was so hungry, like I was hungry. I, I had the shakes and then oh, I just hey, had an energy drink on top of like an empty stomach, and oh man. And then just again with the all the whole essay one night, and then we had to video record a presentation and submit it. Was it before midnight? Or it was after midnight? We were working on it, but I don't know what had, it was. It was crazy. <laughs> it was so down to the wire, and Mr. Galoya ended up loving it. Yeah, he asked us to be in the showcase night. Yeah, it was. It was like, that good of a presentation. <laughs> I think the reason for that is because. <laughs> One, he liked how we formatted the cameras and everything. Oh, yeah. And also the way I made how it looked, the theme of it. kind of yeah. looked like an old command prompt kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. What was your guys' like, favorite projects that you did for a class? Wow. I'm let Jamari go first. Um, I can't remember. I don't I have no idea. They all um, suck. <laughs> 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 Honestly, wait, no, my favorite project... Um, I forget what class it is, but like it was Miss Jackson's class, and Miss Jackson personal finance. No, I think it was like intro to business. Well, yes, it intro to business. It was like okay, so it was like uh, you would like draw uh, a thing like a company out of a hat, and you just make like the brands. Like you'd create like an ad, and then like a pop up ad, and then one of those banners ads. It was cool, and I got a baseball team, and I spent like seven hours on one of the video ads. It was like 30 seconds long, and I spent seven hours, and I was so proud of it, and then I presented it to the class, and everyone's like, you put way too much work into that. You did not need to do all of it. And I was like, you know what? I got a good grade, so I don't care. Oh my God. Intro, to Intro to business. If you still need more ben time Ben and to think, I, I have an amazing yeah, I no story idea. about <laughs> Intro to Business. I'll, kinda, I'll break it down very simply. We, it was the same kind of project, right? <laughs> but like, so you know how we had to do like multiple projects of kind of same, staying with the same business that mm-hmm. we created? Do you remember, I think you were in our class. Do you remember? I was. Ben, yeah. Uh, oh. pick, the pickle, pickle on a stick or whatever it was. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my God. So <laughs> I remember one time. So it was, it was when we had to like, we had to go against multiple different, um, we had to go against multiple different businesses in like a tournament style. And we were doing really good. And then there was like, it was just a pickle food trial <laughs> versus like a straight up nonprofit organization that's trying to like save horses or something. I think the and choice we, is clear. And, and when we had to walk out to like, um, to, to let the class vote, we were like, please don't let us win. This is not morally right to let us win. <laughs> Pickles I are actually, important, man. I, so on one of the first days back here for a senior year, I opened up the images folder on my PC, oh no. and I found one of the PNGs that was just a PNG of a pickle, <laughs> <laughs> just sitting in my images folder, okay. and I was like, I need to wipe this away. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to do this I anymore. wasn't part of your project, but I I had I had CT like homeroom in the beginning of class with Ben, 
For like freshman and sophomore year, he left junior because reasons. <laughs> we don't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> reasons. Um, but I remember one time I looked over on his computer and it was the picture of pickle and I said, I was like, then why is there a pickle on your computer? And he's like, for intro of business. And I was like, what do you mean intro of business? And he's like, it's a pickle food truck. I'd be going there every day, one of bro. The thing, so one of the things was I tried to add a fried pickle. So it was a whole fried dill pickle, right? Hollowed out and a mozzarella stick was put in it, bread and fried. That it. sounds so good. Yeah, and it sounds so good. And so many people thought it was good. And it was it was Kyler. I don't even know if he still goes here. I haven't seen him at all this Ooh, year. He might have it was Kyler, Ben, and like a few other people in the class all hated the idea. They Kyler and Ben just completely like just rejected the idea of putting <laughs> it on the menu. Even though a lot of people did think it was good, by the way. Put that on the record, <laughs> like. But we we couldn't put it in, and at one point I was like, we tried to make a joke about it, and we put it on the slide, and it's like, um, although due to popular demand or something like that, <laughs> we had we had to remove the uh, fried pickle, deep fried mozzarella stick pickle thing due to violations of the Geneva Convention. Oh, <laughs> <shit. laughs> hey. And then uh, and then Mrs. Jackson like quizzed us on the Geneva Convention. I was like, ooh. <laughs> it was it was it was really bad. Freshman oh. year, I was in biology at Park Hill South and we had this booklet. We were basically studying uh, different environments and I chose prairie, but we had to make like a booklet about it, right? And each booklet had to be a different type of, I guess, way to convey information. Um, and so I made basically a parody of Sex on the City, but with, or Sex in the City, but it was Party on the Prairie. And you had different little characters like the buffalo, the rabbit, the hawk, and a bunch of other stuff. And it's probably the peak of my high school career because Made the whole class laugh with that one. It's like an old video that I made, and it was it's hilarious. How was that like for you, though? I, at Park Hill South? How was it like having a year of high school at a normal school and then moving into lead? One thing you have to understand is that Park Hill South, by no means, is normal. Well, uh, <laughs> normally structured, quote-unquote. Uh, like mm. a stereotypical high school. Like I said, like due dates are more lenient. Uh, if you submit a project late here, it's not 50% off or 50% off points. Like at Park Hill South, if I, let's say, did a math test late, even if I had gotten everything correct, it would be 50% off of my grade for the first day that it was gone, and then 25% off the second day, and a zero on the third. So if you missed anything, you had to get it in either the next day or the day after, or it was just bust, incomplete. You I'm really glad that you came here, else you'd be having like twenty percent in all. Of Regular classes. high school would have murdered me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> How was freshman year? Just like so, like you can describe like a freshman year at like South, and then yeah. Like I'll go into like freshman year at Lead, mm-hmm. just so you can like compare. Like so, like how was freshman year at South? Uh, it was just, I don't know. It was fun. It was it was very bustling. The school is like bustling a lot. Like, I don't mean bussin', but... <laughs> I know, I know that you're very Park similar. Park yourself bussin'. <laughs> Park yourself is not bussin'. But um, just, there were so many people. You are very intimidated. Everybody would try and, like, uh, like fake intimidate you. Like, they'd jolt towards you. Like, if you were a freshman, it's like, what are you doing, dude? Just try to walk like the rest of us, you know? Um, and, like, every day someone would try to do that to, like, me or another student or, like, any kind of person they saw as, like, a freshman. You know, that very, uh, I guess, intimidation factor. Um, but other than that, like it was, it was pretty much what it is here. Bell rang, go to the next class, sit down, do your work, or don't. Uh, <laughs> freshman, and freshman year yeah. at lead was. Oh <laughs> it was. I honestly think that was like that was like my second favorite year that I've had here at lead. Mainly because, like, you talked about the intimidation factor. There was absolutely no intimidation. Oh, yeah. You guys... It's just a building full of freshmen. We were all a, equally scary. Exactly. <laughs> we were building, all equally Even dumb. the teachers. Like, the teachers didn't know what they were doing either. All all guys we were all just trying cool. to find our way yeah. and, like, do whatever. Because we were just thrown and thrusted into this situation where we had got to figure it out. Um, but, like, I, I really enjoyed freshman year. Because, like, like I said, as for... Like, there wasn't very many people as... Like a normal school. There's only 150. 150. Yeah. yeah. So like, oh pretty much you could walk down the hallway and name almost every single person. Yeah. In yeah that pretty much. It was very much like, 
it was like a little small village of like, yeah, yeah. I know you, you know me. Like, we may not be best of friends, yeah, but like, we know him. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, very interconnected. Like, like, yeah, uh, very. We all wanted to just keep it like that. We didn't want any more people to come in. I had a very small friend group when I started with freshman year because I just, I just didn't like to be outward towards people, and but I still like saw and recognized people literally. Oh, yeah. Austin and I, we were driving down to Firehouse Subs yesterday, and we saw Amen in his car, and we just Amen. waved at each other. I've seen Amen at, war, at my work. Like, it's just, it's just like, I, I think we definitely all bonded over just that original 150 students. That's really weird, because okay. whenever I see one of those, like, original 150, since I'm not, I don't have that kind of, like, uh, I don't want to say, like, required connection, that, that freshman oh, that year for you guys. Yeah, I don't have that bond from freshman year. Yeah. So when I see somebody and they see me, they might wave because they think I'm one of the, like, original, like, 150 students here. But I'm not. I'm only friends with a bunch of them, but yeah. not all of them. Like, I don't know Eamon, so it's like I can't, I don't but know. But you know of him. I know of him, so right. it's like I don't sit there and, like, wave to him. Cause I just don't know him. Right. I mean, so it's not, it's not It's perfect. really weird. It's not perfect. Like, there's some people who, like, um... There's some people, like, I'll, like, sometimes avoid, not on purpose, but just because, like, I don't have as strong as a connection. You don't yeah. know, like I said, you could point out almost every single person in the hallway and know who they are. But, like, there's still, like, uh, there's some people who literally just flew under the radar freshman mm-hmm. year up until yeah. now, who they just don't interact very much with people. So yeah, it's not like... Yeah. I think sophomore year is when everything really blew up. Hang on. Sophomore I have a story so from freshman year, and you will probably remember it. Was in biology class, remember? When I don't, when I didn't know what the bird meant. What, what? Like, the bird? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, somehow, you know, the bird popped up. You know, flipping the bird. And, and, and Owen just didn't know what that meant. <laughs> like, he, he had no clue. I genuinely asked. I said, what's the bird mean? Like that. And everyone <laughs> just died. Everyone and I was like, in the I class. I was just sitting there just like... No, like, what does it mean? I don't know. And everyone just kept laughing. You remember, of course, he was even laughing because she thought it was hilarious. Do you remember I was... the title slide of my dog <laughs> We had Austin, uh, not Austin, I own and have a bit of an inside joke where it's just cursed image of a dog. <laughs> it has, like, a bunch of, like, kettle corn or like popcorn in his mouth and it's like <laughs> it's it's so specific <laughs> it's so specific but for one of the one of the projects in biology we had to like go through the evolution of a certain animal oh, i chose I dog and i <laughs> i decided to use that picture as my title slide because I thought it was funny. I thought it was your ending slide. No, it was my title. I oh, I'm in my Freshman year was insane. It was. Design thinking. That was insane. I never had to say that. Pinball machine. Have you guys seen have you guys seen the design thinking stuff they do now? No. No. It's like so cool. Out of all your classes, of all my classes. Either all the out of all your classes or what's your favorite class for each year? For each year. So four favorite classes. Four major classes. Freshman year, biology. Sophomore year. Probably English, maybe, or algebra, college algebra with Mr. Bundes. Yeah. Junior year was English with Miss Seymour, and then this year is probably how sports and entertainment marketing. I feel like freshman year, my favorite class would also be biology, because I have like Miss Bell, and I have like a bunch of friends in that class, and it was just super fun all the time. And then sophomore year, I know my favorite teacher was Miss Jackson, but I had her three to- I had her for three classes that year, and those three classes were my favorite class out of that. Well, I think was my it, was it personal it was like finance, personal finance, intro to business, and then the entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. my fav- intro to business was probably my favorite class of high school, most likely, because she just made it so much fun and it was yeah. awesome. Yeah. And then, like, junior year, um, I'd probably go when me and Owen had Miss Seymour last year. That class, that class did not start was off very well. Was it any of you guys' class, I think? No. Gavin, no. Was, Gavin was. Oh, Gavin was. Gavin yeah. was in that class. And so was Emma. Mm. That year did not start off good, but she... <laughs> not. Honestly, the, the more you saw, like, Miss Seymour yeah. teach and the more you interacted with her, the more you, like, had to like her. Yeah. She's, she's not... A, 
she's a very likable person all around. There's no way you can just not like her. Exactly. Yeah. I've and never it. even met her. <laughs> really? Never. I've never had a class in Seymour. To... This year, I'd just say NCC, because NCC is so much fun. I just want to stay there all the time. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Uh, so my, fir- my favorite class uh, freshman year had to be English. That was my first group of friends. First girlfriend, CT, with Mr. Hayden and Ms. Villalobos. Um, I just love that class. I did okay. nothing in there. Uh, <laughs> and then um, junior year, NCC, because... Hey, I got to fix stuff, and that's yeah. where most of my technological experience came from. Actually, never mind. Primary <laughs> to NCC is where all my technological experience came from. Uh, and then this year it has to be NCC again because I just child game development, not it. Oh no. Civics, not it. <laughs> <laughs> what about Any other class? Though? What about physics? Though physics was good. That was physics that was, good. was good. All right. Mr. Glenn is amazing. All right, yeah, fine. Physics. Senior year physics. All right. Awesome junior teacher. year was really like the time that we actually started becoming friends. Oh yeah. See. So anyway, uh, freshman year easily biology. Yeah. She was amazing teacher, amazing thing that we learned. The plant experiment. My group's plants did nothing. <laughs> they like <laughs> died so quickly. Oh yeah. I'm pretty, <laughs> sure, I'm pretty sure I like flicked one of those plants and it just died. <laughs> um, <laughs> Might have been sophomore nice. year, it's got to be either of the classes that had Mr. Bundus. Yes. So mm-hmm. algebra two in college algebra, he was so cool. I remember. Uh, I so laugh for the first like actually laugh. He was so cool. So then, um, junior year, I don't have a super favorite class. It's kind of like it's split between NCC and English. Yeah, um, that's fair. That was super fun classes all around. Um, in NCC. You know, Austin and I did Skills USA. We made it to state, but then we couldn't do it because of COVID. And really COVID ruined the entire year, really. Um, but it was still super, super fun. This year, it's got to be physics. It's got to be physics. Physics mm-hmm. with Mr. Gloria was so cool. It sucks that we couldn't do more than just that, but it was got to be physics. Good job to the both of you. Now for our last segment of the season, Apartment Research with Nicole. Hello, I'm Nicole, and I'm here with Kristen Sims to talk about housing and apartment options after graduation. Hi, Nicole. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. So my first question for you is how would you go about renting an apartment? Um, So once you make the decision that you don't want to stay in a dorm um, after graduation, you want to move into an apartment either during school or because you want to start working, whatever the case is. Um, The one thing that you need to keep in mind is that you are looking to sign a contract with someone. And a contract is a really big deal because you're an adult now. Um, So you need to make sure that you are looking for places that tick all the boxes for what you need. But you also need to make sure that you are renting from somewhere that has contracts that they have no problem with you sitting down and reading through the entire thing. You want to be really wary of anywhere that tries to get you just to sign on all the dotted lines and not read the pages. How did you find that out? Um, So I actually went to look at an apartment with a friend and we were going to rent the apartment together and we sat down and I have always been taught um, by my dad that anything you're going to put your signature on you need to read and I started to read through it and they kind of snatched the contract off of the table and started just giving me a brief overview of what was on the pages and I said you know that's great I just want to read it and they were like well we don't really have time for that right now and I was like well then I'm not signing it so it was just kind of something my dad always taught me that's a smart lesson So my next question for you is how much research goes into renting an apartment? Um, So my suggestion is treat this as if you're buying a house almost because even though an apartment lease is only usually going to be for a year, um, it's still your home that you're looking at. So you want this home to be where you want it to be. You want it to be convenient. You want to make sure that, you know, if you're someone that doesn't like having to get gas at night when you're tired after you know you've done school and been to work 
you want to make sure that it's an apartment that is very close and has easy access to a gas station so that in the morning when you wake up you can stop and get gas before you have to go to class or go to work and not have to you know make six different turns to get into that gas station if you um, find it really important to not be on the first floor a lot of women don't like to be on ground level you need to make sure that you're only looking at apartment complexes that have more than one level you don't want to look at a place that you know is only going to have ground floor options for you right. or if you're someone that has a pet it's a really smart idea to get a ground level apartment because then you can open your sliding door and let your pet out and not have to you know get completely dressed and get shoes on and walk all the way down with them it's a lot faster a lot easier access yeah okay my next question for you is how do you know what size of apartment you need so it kind of depends on whether you're planning on having a roommate or not um, if you're not which personally I suggest if you have a job where you're bringing in enough money or if your student loans you know allow you to pay for an apartment on your own I would definitely suggest at least for a year um, living on your own and just getting a one-bedroom or a studio you don't need as much room as you think you do and so you will read through descriptions of apartments and it'll say you know 800 square feet 900 square feet and compared to your parents home yes that's small normally you know a regular size house is going to be 1200 square feet that's finished and that doesn't include the basement or anything like that um, but when it's just you and you're learning that you like to you know go participate in sporting events and you like to hang out with friends you really don't need number one as much room and number two you really don't want to spend your weekends cleaning as much room as what's in your parents home so I personally would say one bedroom for every adult um, but even that is kind of overshooting it because they do have studio apartments and those can be great and they can be super cost-saving all right so my next question is how do you choose what part of the city you want to live in so I would suggest um, number one you want to live somewhere safe Right. And if the school you're going to isn't in the best neighborhood, like say you're going to UMKC. UMKC is a great school, but they do have a problem with students' cars getting broken into, especially if you're going to evening classes. So it may not be that you want to live in a neighborhood that's right next to the school because they obviously have issues with cars being broken into. Right. Um, I would definitely say that safety is always my number one concern as far as neighborhood goes but I am also one of those people that I hate rush hour traffic I absolutely cannot stand it and so a big deciding factor for me was always how close can I live to where I work and to where I go to school because I don't want to spend two hours of my day driving every day yeah. it's just it's not worth it to me yeah that makes sense Okay, my next question is kind of important. How much do apartments cost? So, unfortunately, because of just the way that the market is right now and how quickly houses are selling, um, in Kansas City especially, apartments have gotten a lot more expensive. My first apartment was a one-bedroom, one-bathroom, and it had a huge living room. It had an open floor plan, and it only cost me $689 a month. But I went to look at that apartment again just to kind of see what the prices are. And now it's $820 a month. Oh. And that's for a one bedroom. I mean, that's, wow. that's something that unless, you know, you have a partner where you're sharing a room, that rent's going to be all on you. And yeah. you really have to think about, you know, how that takes um, a lot of your income. Um, but there are studio apartments that I know about, particularly the, the unicorn apartments is what they're called. Um, the name really drew me to them, but they're studio apartments and they have some that are, I think it's 500 square feet and they cost $500 a month. So oh. yeah, the, the more that you can find a place that costs you a dollar or less per square foot, the better it's going to be for you. Yeah. Okay, so my next question is, how do you choose which apartment you want to live in? 
Um, so I feel like that's kind of an important question because when you're apartment hunting, um, you're usually going to want to look at more than one option. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. Um, and so when I was looking for my first apartment, I actually had three different options. And you really need to make a list of the things that you really want in a place, just like you would if you had a house. And that was what I did. I made a list and the apartment that had the most check marks for the things that I wanted, the, the pros on my list, um, that was what I chose. And I feel like that's a really good way to go about choosing anything, whether it's an apartment, a car, um, a college that you want to go to. Yeah. So my next question for you would be, what other costs go into an apartment other than rent? So that is something that, again, you really need to read your contract and make sure that you ask those questions up front when you go and speak with the property manager. Um, because there are some places that will include your utilities. And that's great because that means that you don't have what I would call flex costs monthly. Yeah. Um, so you don't have to put something extra in your budget. You don't have to overshoot your budget for a just-in-case. Um, so definitely want to also think about there are a lot of apartments out there that they still use natural gas for heating and they still use natural gas for the water heaters and it's just not as efficient as electricity is yeah and so something you know besides knowing what utilities are included and not included is knowing whether it's a fully electric apartment um and truthfully i would suggest if you can find one that you know ticks all of your boxes for everything you want go with all electric because you're number one reducing your carbon footprint and number two you're um you're able to heat your home you're able to heat the water that you use for far less of a cost than you would be if you were using natural gas um something else that you really have to think about is when you move into your apartment you don't have all of the stuff that you had when you lived right. in your parents home um, so you're going to need to be looking for, you know, really low-cost dishes and silverware and pots and pans. And you need to pay attention to whether or not there's a built-in microwave because a lot of apartments, number one, have a small amount of counter space. And number two, if you don't have a built-in microwave, that means that you've got to go out and buy one. Um, so there's a lot of extra costs that go into anything, and I really, really suggest writing down everything you use in your parents' kitchen and then going online and searching, like, either on, you know, Facebook Marketplace if you don't mind getting stuff secondhand or going to whatever store you would want to buy it from online and pricing everything out and seeing what you need to budget before you can move. Yeah, that's smart. That's good advice. So kind of on that same line is my next question. Um, do you need to save up money to pay for an apartment? Yes. What do you recommend? So there's always going to be what they call a deposit. And that deposit is usually going to be at least the first month's rent. Um, if there is a place that you look at that demands first and last month's rent as the deposit, I would strongly suggest not considering that as a place to live, um, at least not in Kansas City. I don't know how normal something like that would be in like, you know, New York or Florida or something. Right. But um, when I lived in California and when I've lived here, first and last month's rent um, being required was kind of an indication that it wasn't a really great place to live. Um, so I would definitely say that you need to have saved up at least your first and second month's rent because something incidental is always going to come right. up. And I would also recommend a bare minimum of $500 to, you know, just to get the little things that you forget about. Like yeah. when I first moved in, I forgot that I needed a front doormat. I forgot that I needed towels for in the kitchen so that I could dry my dishes. Um, I, I actually got really lucky because I forgot to look in the contract at my first apartment and see if there was a dishwasher and thankfully there was 
Um, but I was more focused on whether or not there was a washer and dryer. Right. But again, I forgot that because I had a washer and dryer, I needed to have my own laundry soap. Yeah. And I needed to have, you know, my own dryer sheets. Um, so I would say bare minimum, when you move in, you need to have first and second month's rent and $500. But I would really, really recommend shooting for having $1,000 in savings um, just for the little things that come up. And then if you've got, you know, oh my goodness, I just moved in and great, now I need new tires or something. Yeah. Okay. So if you have a pet and you want to get an apartment, what does that look like? So there are lots of rules and it just kind of depends on every single different apartment complex. Um, If you want to have a pet, I would really recommend either finding an apartment complex that is part of um, a property management company rather than just you know, an individual person that owns one place because that individual person is going to be a lot more nitpicky and usually their requirements for having a pet are going to be a lot more stringent. Um, Bigger apartment complexes where the property management company owns more than one property are usually going to require you to pay a pet deposit, which is usually about $300. And that deposit is meant to cover any kind of damage that might occur you know, from your pet specifically. Um, There are some places that in the contract, they will say that you don't get that pet deposit back no matter what. Again, I would say those are the kind of places you don't really want to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then on top of the pet deposit, sometimes there are places that require you to pay an extra between 30 and $100 a month for pet rent. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. And so... That's something that you really, really have to watch and you really have to look at that contract and ask all those questions. Um, Another big thing is if the apartment complex is aware, which do not move in and not tell them you have a pet because they will charge you lots of fees. Um, But if they are aware that you have a pet, a lot of times they will watch your apartment a lot more closely um, to make sure that you're picking up the poop, to make sure that you are you know, not bothering your neighbors. And if you've got a neighbor that happens to not like you, they will complain and the apartment complex will take it very seriously. Really? So, yeah. So I would suggest um, if you're going to be moving into an apartment with a pet, I strongly suggest having some kind of classes that you've done, like obedience school through PetSmart or whatever, Um, just to make sure that you know that your pet's not going to get you kicked out. Yeah. That's good advice. So is there anything else you would recommend to the graduating seniors this year? I think that my recommendation, honestly, is if you don't want to live in on-campus housing, um, you need to really, really pay attention to the fact that you are making a real-world decision. Um... Getting an apartment is not, it's not like making a decision before you graduate from high school anymore. You are legally an adult and you are legally doing something. You're, You're putting yourself out into the world. And so this means, like something I forgot to mention, this means that you now have to pay renter's insurance. And so... Yeah, so that means that, you know, you're you're responsible for paying real-world bills now. And not that college is fake or anything like that at all, because college is definitely um, a big step into the adult world. But, you know, living in dorms, it, you don't have to pay renter's insurance like you do, right. you know. And that, that dorm rent is kind of part of your tuition rather than having to pay a monthly fee. Yeah. And so... Um, budgeting. It, I know that I'm an accountant, and so that's kind of the, the world that I come from, but yeah. budgeting is a huge deal, and I definitely, definitely recommend if you have decided that you're going to rent an apartment and, you know, sign your name on that dotted line and you want to do it alone, um, budget. Yeah. And if you don't want to do it alone and you want to share an apartment with friends, draw up a contract so that you guys can write out things that you expect from one another. And that's not, it should not ever be seen when you're doing something legally with someone else. 
a contract should never be seen as a bad thing. It should right. never be seen as a, I'm doing this to force you to do something. A contract should be, you are my friend and I care about you enough to make sure that this big legal real world decision we're making doesn't destroy our friendship. Right. And so, you know, make a contract that says if one of us loses our job or loses our student loans that we agree to, you know, still pay our portion of the rent or we agree that if there's some kind of noise complaint and it's on one person that that person will take responsibility for their actions and they'll make yeah. amends with the apartment complex or whatever. Um, really, you really have to put yourself into that adult mindset and into the mindset of not only protecting yourself, but protecting, you know, the people that you want to right. do stuff with. Yeah. Well, thank you for sitting down and talking with us today. You're welcome. It was fun. Oh, yes. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. And great job to our very own lead journalists and contributors. See you all next year. Thank you and have a nice year.